0: So, Minister, God was preaching last week, and all I was doing, I was just, I like, preach, remain for me. If you say everything today, what are we going to say today? Praise God. We're going to continue our series, DNA. And I know last week, she was a bit afraid to explain the full name. We didn't want to do tongue twisting, but I'm going to attempt it today. But before we go into it, let's just do a quick recap of the things that she talked about. So, she was basically talking about the reason and purpose for culture. And there was something she said that stood out so strongly. She said, it's basically an atmosphere or setting that allows you to grow. So basically, you might go to another setting outside and you can't grow, you can't thrive. But when you're in the right culture, the right atmosphere, you basically can grow and thrive. Praise God. I know she also talked about culture being our identifying factor. That is what gives you identity. You know, when you see some tribes, some ethnicities, some races, you just know that you don't need, they don't need to tell you where they are from. Just by the way they behave, the way they greet, the way they genuflex, the way they gesticulate, their demeanor generally, you can just tell these ones. And she, she gave an example, I remember from Second Kings, when that woman saw the prophet, she was like, I perceive that this is a man of God. So culture does give you identity, praise God, and the last one she said that culture instills pride it instills pride it gives you something to be proud about it's just a shame if, if for people that don't belong, that don't have any identity you are, not, you are not plugged or attached to any house and she also said something that there's the general Christian culture and then we have the DCC culture our own, our culture the way we behave, the way we talk the way we think we have the general Christian foundation one but we also have the one that we do here praise God how many of you can remember the DCC cultures that she talked about last week? Let's <laughs> know the serious students. I know she gave about one, two, three, four, five, five four, five. Five of them. Can anybody try? Excellence. Thank you. Which other one? World rule, Yes. Service. We always win. There's one more. Good marriage. Thank you. Ah, we did try. Oh, Jesus. Praise God. So, I'm basically going to be writing of that. So... Um, last week she was talking about DNA meaning a word and it basically means deoxyribonucleic acid. Don't worry. (laughs) I would try not to confuse you. Think of three things. So there's DNA, there's genes, there's chromosomes. If you're talking about genetic makeup or any time identities in question, whose father is this, whose child is this, where are they from, what do they do typically? They go and do a DNA test, Right. So, DNA is what constitutes what you call the genetic makeup in science. And inside the DNA, you have genes. In those genes, you have chromosomes. It's just simple. DNA has genes. So, a DNA, is, DNA is like twisted ladder. And then the crossings across that ladder is what you call genes. And then what makes up those genes is what you call chromosomes. And guess what? Any child gets half of their chromosomes or genes from the mother and the father. There are typically about 46 of them, 46 chromosomes in any human being. You get 23 from your mom, 23 from your dad. Guess what? If you get 22 and a half from your mother and 23 from your dad, there's a defect. If you get 23 and a half from your daddy and 23 from your mom, that's what you call genetic defect. Now, let's bring it back to the Bible. If the foundation be faulty, complete it. Mm-mm. If the foundation be faulty. So at times when you see children out there that typically have syndromes or look a particular way and they tell you it's a genetic defect, there's actually nothing you can do about it. As in default is from, this, from foundation, you can't do anything about it. So you need to understand why we're taking our time to teach our DNA here in DCC because it sets the foundation for everything that we stand for. And a church that is 26 years, 26 years old, by now you should know that, is beyond the ministry, It's now a legacy. Is beyond us. It's now about the next generation. So let's let's just do a quick calculation, right? We have Caleb, we have Caleb Church, we have the main DCC, which is us, and then we have, um, well, Transform Nation. Chances are there are children in Transform Nation that were born in DCC, because Transform Nation is twenty to twenty-seven. So there are very high chances. Let's not go down to PG. The question in PG is going to be really, were you born on the mainland or were you born on the island center? It's not were you born in DC's default. like Which center were you born? Were you born in DCC mainland or were you born in DCC island? So this thing has gone beyond us. And that is why it's very important for you to understand so we can transcend. And when I'm saying trans, translating or transcending to the next generation, don't just think parenting. Any position you occupy in church, whether it's leadership, your mentoring, your HOD, any form of spiritual or physical parenting position that you occupy, it is basically a very strong responsibility for you to ensure that you are transferring our culture unadulterated to the next generation. Because once there's a fault, there will be a defect. Remember what we said, 23.5 plus half plus twenty-three problem 22 and a half plus 23 problem so it's very important and guess what you cannot exactly teach what you do you have not lived you know my children my children literally use this our david never lost the battle is a rap for them when we're doing devotion at home as david never lost the battle they won't do that and i called them one day i said come what are we saying what does this really mean to you like, it's what we usually, we just use it to close devotion every Sunday. And we also say it in church as David never lost a battle. So God's work with us be. Like, do you know why we say this thing? You know, some of us grew up in homes and in churches. where we just know that a particular day we take communion. This is how we stay. This is the solemn state. And we didn't ask questions. We just know that this is how it is done in our church. This is how food is cooked in our house. And guess what? When you go to another house, and you eat something different It's alien to you and your taste buds because this is not how, in fact, if you're not careful, you think that the way food is eaten in your house is the way it's done everywhere else. That is literally how cultish we should be with our culture. With the next generation, we must make sure that it's transferred, unfiltered, and unadulterated. And the major reason, the, the importance of transcending this is because we're now talking beyond a church or a ministry, it's a legacy. You know the way at times you say that um, some languages or cultures are getting extinct because it's not being passed down. It's not being passed down, and you really cannot teach what you have not lived. But let's start with Deuteronomy chapter six, from verse one. And everywhere in the Bible, I just realized God God was very, very strong about ancestry and passing down cultures. And when I'm talking about ancestors, I'm not talking about the ones in, the village, in your village. Those ones want to kill you. Let's just settle it. I'm talking about our spiritual ancestry. It's very, very important. Literally, for every scripture we're going to read today, you see there. And God keeps saying, he keeps referring the people, the people of Israel, back to their ancestors. Don't forget where all these things started from. And it's important to pass it down. Praise God. He says, now, this is the commandment. Please give me NIV. NIV. Okay, these are, these are the commands. We'll read from one to nine. The, the commands, decrees, and the laws that the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Next, it says, so that you, how many generations are here? Say, you, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give to you so that you may enjoy life. As David never lost a battle. There are things we must abide by to ensure that that scripture is true from generation to generation in David's Christian center. It says, hear Israel and be careful. To obey so it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. Just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. Verse 4. Here always continue. 5. We're going to 9. Go to 5. Love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul. And so these are the instructions. 6. These commands I give to you, they are to be on your heart. 7 impress them on your children. Like I said, don't just think as a physical parent now. Anybody that you're influencing or teaching in any capacity in this church, this applies to you. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Continue. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your forehead. You know, there's, the general de- um, definition of culture is, is a way of life. Like, literally, the way you do things. It, what else is being talked about? It. Everything has been captured. When you're lying down, talk about it. When you're sitting down, tie it on your door. As in, basically, make it a way of life. Praise God. Let's, then it says, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So, it's, it's very important to God that whatever generation that you're in, you are transcending the culture and the systems and the practices, especially spiritually, of where you are to the next generation, whether it's people you are leading or the ones that you are parenting, praise God. And like I was saying earlier, that DTC is not just a ministry; it's now a legacy. And I was, I was just thinking in my head, I'm like, you know, if every time we stand on this pulpit, we just take it for granted. Like, yeah, you're probably just in a stage, but what I see here every time is literally 26 years of endless prayers, faith victory pain stories some stories that will never be told as in that is what i every time you look at this you're just sitting there just rug and stage, but this is 26 years of labor and you need to understand why it's important for us to be and do and act a certain way because all of all that must be transferred remember unadulterated unfiltered we don't change it with the times we don't. It's 2022. This thing was given in 1996. Let's calm down. Let's. Mm-mm. It must be unadulterated, as it was said. David has not lost the battle. He's not going to start losing now. But guess what? The best way that we can teach our children is by living it. They don't know David, but they know you. They don't know. Dave, they, like, my, so when I started having that conversation with my children, so David never lost the battle. And then the next question, they got curious. It was. It was like distant to them. Okay, great. Yes, we read of David David and Goliath and all the nice nice things. But by the time I started telling them my own personal stories of how that scripture has come to life, you you that are here, do you know how you were born? Come, let me tell you. You yourself. You are, you are, you are, you are an actualization of that testimony. So it, it, it brings you home. It brings you home. You, it, it's easy to tell them about the stories of David and Goliath, Elijah, and all the wonderful things, all David's mighty men. But how are you leaving that culture to translate into results that you can now use? You know, literally, the best way of teaching culture is show and tell. You show me by how it is working for you, and then you now tell me how you are doing it. That's literally the best way to transfer culture. There was a time they were asking my, my daughter. No, she came to me and... She was teasing me. She was smiling. And they were having lesson. I think it was when we men worship. We were doing our prayer chain. And I was leading prayers. And she just came up. And she's like, hm, Mommy, we're hearing your voice. You were praying. As we were doing lessons. It's not like she's not used to it. But the fact that we were doing lessons, I think I kind of disturbed them. I'm like, oh, really? She was like, hm, Let me tell you what you were doing. I said, we pray like they're having convulsion. That's not the way I was praying. She's like, Mom. think she literally fell on the bed. And she was raising her legs. And I laughed. Do you know I laughed? That was how I used to laugh at my mother Literally, that was how I used to both slightly laugh and slightly despise because my mother would not let us sleep. She would pray and pray. And I was, what are you praying about that God has not heard you since? Well, guess what? That was her teaching me without having to talk about it. It's, 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 how else? As in, I've, I've seen it so much. It's ingrained. Remember what we read in Deuteronomy 6? It said, teach them when you walk, when you lie, when you sleep. As My daughter, on, I think on one of the mothers day, they asked them, what is your mother's hobby? She put their cooking and praying. I said, praying a hobby. But that's literally what she sees. So if I'm telling her now, we are world ruled and anything that you need, you first go to God. It's not alien to her. She has seen it. It's now, let me now apply it and achieve my own results. So we basically transfer it by living it, show and tell. Our own culture here in DCC, literally, we show and then we now tell. I'll give a second example, and literally... So, um, I, I would have initially tried to give examples with workplace culture and all that, but it's not going to really work, because in offices, you are paid to behave the way you want to behave. So, it's always easy to use family. The ones that you don't choose, you don't pay. It's just, you are born into it. You become like that. But i like, if, if you pay me, well, I will obey your culture. I mean... If my account is happy and my life is whatever, excellence, we act like, oh, now we'll go do everything. But it's always easy. For me, the most practical way to bring culture home in church is basically juxtaposing with family. Because this is also a family, this is a spiritual family. So it's easy to explain it that way because there are really no terms and conditions. You, don't, you just you didn't choose your family, just like the way God also basically assigned you to this family, at least for those that are planted. I you know there's flower pots and there's those that are actually planted. Let's not go there yet. But yeah, some of you are flower pots. Once there's pressure, there's anything. You move. But when you are rooted, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree in the house of Azin. No, be say breeze, no, they blow. It will blow on. Or I know there are so many storms that are not really in the forecast. It will blow, but we are rooted. There's the way you behave when you don't have option. You know, there's a way, as in, if this is the only tap that feeds me, my children, my children's children, that's why we drink water, that's when we get food, that's when we do everything. There's really a the way I'm going to treat it. Well, you, if you have maybe every 10, 10 kilometers, no, every 100 meters, you have like five taps. If this tap is not working, you don't really care. You move to the next one, but there's, there's a way you behave when this is your source. And you know that there's, if this tap is not working, we are all going to die of thirst. So if you break anywhere, oh God, bring um, silicone gum. Pastor Maka, please bring cement. It's not, nothing's going to happen to it because you know that that's your source. When you are planted, you act differently. You don't really have to be cajoled to act like an owner. And guess what? That's how a lot of us behave at home. Your siblings annoy you. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> Where do you really want to go? Your parents, some of, <coughs> some of you, your father has like 15 children outside the one that he has with your mother. But guess what? You still call him daddy. Your mother beats and does all from, them, as in your parents have behaviors that you will not publicly identify with, but guess what? You still call them daddy and mommy. But when you're a flower pot, you know, that's um, basket behavior. I don't like the way they really talk to me today. You carry your flower pot and you move. You are planted more in your physical homes than you are in your own spiritual home. You are, you are rootless. I don't mean R U T H. Not one today, Shabbat. You are rootless, as in you have no roots. So this DNA, you know, you can't, you can't change your DNA. I look like my mother. There's nothing I can do about it. If she annoys me, finishes. how am I going to live with this woman now? That's the only option. It's not, I'm going to change my mother. What are the options? Where, how, how do they used to change mother? How, where do they, where does it happen? It, it sounds funny, right? When we talk about it physically, but that's what a lot of us do spiritually. Because we don't realize yet that, one, this is a family. That's the way we behave in our family It might not really align with everything I like because we live in a failed world and me too, I'm not really okay all the time. But it's my family. You can't change that. So you need to, as I said, there's a way you behave when you don't have option. When we have like five types, five, five taps lined up. If one is not working, let's move to the next one. Let's go to the one that they don't need to wear Let's go to, let's just be moving because I have options. Praise God. So, today's message is for those that understand that no matter how the breeze blows, we are planted because our DNA, it's been passed on and we must make sure that we transcend it without it being defective. Praise God. So now I'm going to go into it and the first one, I think I've kind of gone into the, one of the, um, um, I'm going to continue from where Minister August, stopped. One of the ways that we behave as a church, one of DCC cultures is ownership. We act like owners It's my church, it's not there. Once you use the term there, you're not even with us. You're a visitor. Next time you come, just allow us to welcome you properly. It's my church, As in, how... <laughs> my DCC. Thank you, Pastor Marker. My DCC. We have a sense of ownership. Because we know that there, we don't have options. We don't have options. That's one of our cultures. We are planted. We act like owner. If it's broken, it's coming down. It's hey. How are we now going to? How many people are? How are we going to be holding stick now for you to stand? It's not. Let's leave the building. Let them fix it. It's no, 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 no. That's not. That's not our culture. We act like owners, and it transcends to everything we do. Not just even acting like owners towards the work and our church, even to ourselves as family members. <laughs> I'll give an. As in, I'm going to be giving you practical examples. So, I, I remember the first time that I was going to come up to preach, and I was so nervous. And mama told me something. She said, it's better to preach a true message than to preach a good message. So my own typical style of having to do this is saying things that I've seen. This is how I do it all. This is where it's in the Bible. And so they work for me. I don't really know how to do Hebrew, Greek. Nah, leave that, let's leave that for our pastors. Yeah. So <laughs> um, there was a day that I was picking up my uh, Our children, (laughs) the hour is beyond (laughs) just my own child. One of our family member's children, Pastor Maka's children was also in the car and I was picking them up from school. They go to the same school. And the day before, my daughter had told me that somebody in the class was mean to her. They were in the same class then. And she told me that somebody in the class was mean to her. I think the person told her a mean word or something. And of course, I'd done the whole talk. "Oh, This is what you do, this is what you do. This is how you talk to her. Also tell the teacher, tell her that no, she can't talk to you. Like, as in, basically confront her and talk to her. And don't be timid about it. So the next day, in the cars, I picked them up. I was not asking her, like, Ah, Muna, so how did you go? Did you talk to Masha about being mean to you? As in, Isaac was not, I was not really talking to him. I think he was, I don't even know what he was doing. He was quiet or something. I can't remember what he was doing. But literally, when he just said, when I just said, so have you talked to Masha about me? He said, who? Who? As he just raised, I said, who? Who was mean to you? Who was mean to you? Guess the next question he asked. He said, why didn't you tell me? Who? And then when I said Masha, I said, hey, oh my God, this is even Masha as in, the one I can deal with with left hand. He didn't even allow me to finish talking. He was angry like, who, who was mean to you? And he said, he didn't tell me. Why didn't May I stopped. I said, I was just looking at them. They're <laughs> like, she was mean to you. He said, You didn't tell me. He I said, Who is that master? I said, hey, oh my God. As in, you're not even paying more. Like this one, I'll just press with my left hand. I don't even use my two hands to deal with her. That's the way we, as in, we're a family, family, we understand it. And the more we leave these things, we are transcending it. We are transcending it. My my daughter, my daughter went to one of her friends, um, sleepover and Somebody took her tab, somebody took her friend's tab. And she kept looking, like, why are you looking sad? Dad? She took my tab and I've been telling her to give me back. She's not giving me back. She just took me went to college. She wants her tab. She took it and brought it. Because in our family we used to fight first, we we'll now ask later, what did you do again? Come. But but you know, be truthful. Didn't you grow up in homes like that? In your natural physical home. So why do you think it's a crime to do it in church? Like, literally, if it, when I was going up, if you're looking for my trouble, just make mistake and enter my clothes. I'm okay. Like, I'm okay. We go first, beat you. We'll now go and ask the person. Uh-huh. So, what did you even do? Whether you are don't want went to look for trouble, or we're not really interested in this story, we'll first protect our family first. When we're done with that, we'll now come and say, hey, what did you do? Why you Why are you behaving like this? Why is your behavior bad? Why? Why? If we need to beat you, we'll now beat you too, but we'll first protect you from outsiders. That's the way we behave. That's our culture in DCC. We don't, we don't expose or, or shoot our wounded soldiers. We don't, we don't do that. We protect, as in, we're so big on, that's one of the ways we we'll know that DCC has really, is really ingrained in you. If something's happening, you're not, you're not thinking of only yourself. You're thinking of the others. Maybe you go to a place and there are children or something's happening in PG. It's not let like me and carry my children. It's, hey, all our children need to Come we, we have, it's, showing, it's literally like instinct. It's, remember, DNA. That's the way it is. That's, we, we protect our own. We have that sense of ownership. I, 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 as in, I could give you countless examples, countless. But that's one of our cultures. We act like owners. Once they are be, behaving like, mm, they, are, they are church, they are this, they are pastor. You are, are a visitor. Next time we'll welcome you properly. Praise God. And then the next one is outreach. This one is basically, should I say, it's two-dimensional. We first started from inside, inside church here. We don't really used to mind our business in this church. And it's not, it's not, it's not because we're interested in your story or your We're not easy to do anything new. Whatever madness you think you have, we are treating mad people constantly just that we don't talk about it. The major reason why we're asking is because it is important to us that we decongest hell. And we have seen and learned that when the devil wants to destroy anybody, the first thing he does is to isolate you. You know the general secular proverb is he who the gods wants to kill, he first makes mad. The devil's strategies, he wants to destroy you, he will first isolate you from all the people that can help you. All the ones that can pray for you. That's when suddenly church is in your heart. Why were you not in church on Sunday? Um I was busy, I was asking somebody, I think it was last week, I was asking one of my ladies, I was like, ah, I didn't see you in church on Sunday. Yes, ma'am. I said, no, I'm actually waiting for the rest of Why were you not in church? Uh, I couldn't make it. Why? And she was a bit confident, I'm like, no, I want to know. Let's know, the, let's know where we are and how we can start helping the help. Do you understand? Because we can't be trying to pull unbelievers from out there which you are, you are here and we're ignoring. So we're not really that kind of church that you don't see you for five weeks and, oh, welcome. Mm-mm. We're a family if you don't see your brother for five days at home. As he arrives at the gate, it's not, mommy's going to kill you. Come here, come and tell me first of all, where did you go? That's how we behave. So the outreach, we first start with in-reach. We look out for one another because it is very important. You see that great commission, Matthew 28, going to the world. It's very, very important. We first start from here. Then we now go out there and we are big on outreach because we know that it's important that hell is overcrowded. We need to decongest it. Have you ever seen anybody that wants to declutter your house that may a hoarder and they're not, okay, we need to take out things. I'm like, don't touch this. The first question is, ask is why? Why don't you want me to touch it? The goal is to help you. You don't really have to like it, but we all know what we're working towards. Let's take things out. So most times when maybe the pastors or your HOD is asking you questions, it's not really because we're using your story or problem or just to do anything. It's because we're interested in your soul. Outreach is a culture for us. We don't, we're not really face your fronts 90 degrees, bless you. We're going to, we, we, it's not, it's not this, it's that everybody, we open knows in your business, that's, that's the way we are. And guess what? It has saved a lot of us. A lot. You know, I said something earlier. It's not every storm that is in the forecast. too. It's not, if, <clears throat> if you have not been in a position where you need family to come through for you, you will not really appreciate it. It's not every storm that used to make weather reports. So it's very, very important to have that accountability spirit. This is my family. So we'll know when we want to start praying. Let's, let's know where the devil wants to start pressing you from, and we'll start preventing it. Given this particular one. I'll give another example. Like I said, it's family stories, we don't really keep secrets in this, our house. So, um, I think it was on Sunday, we were coming to church, and my daughter came to meet me. They always ask for Jesus' money. And that sometimes I remember, sometimes I don't. It's not every time we remember to get cash out. And she said, Mommy, you've not given me Jesus' money for like two weeks now. I just wanted to let you know that I've emptied my piggy bank because I have to take Jesus' money to church. So, a part of me, Wanted to like. Why? But Piggy Bank, and then another part of me now remembered that some days ago she actually came to ask me a question: Mommy, are we really expected to give God everything? Does God ask us to give him everything? I said everything in terms of what is like all our money. I said, Money is the least of the things that God needs from us. He first needs our hearts. We're going to read the scripture. Second Corinthians 8:5. Please give it to me in message translation. Um, it was talking about a particular church, and he said. What shocked me, Paul was saying that, what shocked me about, let's read it, he says, this was totally spontaneous, entirely their own idea, and caught us. This this church, they were suffering, if you start from verse 1, they were suffering as in, they were in deep, so Paul was confused, he was like, these people are in misery, they are suffering, they are in trouble, but at the same time, they are happy. And he said, basically, this is why, he says, what explains it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly unto God. And to us, it says, the other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. If you're still holding your money back, you have have not put yourself on the altar yet. As in, the day you really understand this, if you're still asking, my tithe, is it 9.25% or 9.89? You don't get this yet. Like Papa would say, we are still talking 10%, we are talking all. Offer your body, yourself as a living sacrifice. Be, be, because when we say giving, everybody's mind quickly goes to money. You must first give of yourself first. Unreservedly. I didn't write it to see there. Unreservedly to God. Every other thing. Somebody that's put himself on the altar, is it your money that you hold back? What is money? You know when people ask your money or your life, I, like, I don't understand. Without the life, do I have any money? If I put myself, I've laid myself a sacrifice, is my money going to be an issue? No, seriously, is my money going to be an issue? Is my time going to be an issue? Is my house going to be an issue if you need it for meetings? Is my car going to be an issue? So when you are deliberating and negotiating, you're not here yet. And this is how we do it in DCC. Every, as, <laughs> we have carried people's cushion for their house, from their house <laughs> to get the momentum if the car fits where it is. Your kitchen will empty to come and set up welcome. We give of ourselves first. It's, it's called being sold out. So if you are still, ah, oh, this ten percent, God, did you really mean nine point seven? You're not you're not with us. It's not that's not the way we behave. So when my daughter told me that she emptied that piggy bank, I'm like, ah, oh, this guy is catching this pretty sha. Just ensure that you always have for free money. So this um, piggy bank will not be staying empty. So it's it's very, very crucial. Like I keep saying, this culture is show and tell, Lou. it's show and tell. If you are a leader, HOD. And you have people that are living contrary to what you're saying. Check what you're showing. There's a very popular saying. It says, what you ask screams so loudly in my ears, I can't hear what you say. If at any point, what you're seeing is contrary to what you think that you're showing or you're saying, check what you're showing. Because you go first show before you tell. Telling is just to confirm what they are seeing. It's not really do as I do, um, do as I say, don't do as I do. Nah. Let's keep going. Faith. This one, I don't even know. Do we? As in, should we? Should we dwell on it? There are stories. We do faith is our currency. That's the currency we use to cash anything, any anything. So I'm going to tie this with another of our culture. We do big things. We never take anything our size, and we do big things because we have faith. If you don't have faith, you can't do big things. If at any point, even if you go to our parents. Papa and mama and maybe they're talking about something and all that. And you think it just looks like something you can do with left hand. There's a way Papa will just look at you like this. You just know that, ah, did I really hear God? If it's not yet scary, if it's not looking like a Goliath, then it does not resemble things, the things that David takes on. Because his, his, his MO is usually giant, you know, whether that his size or not. Right from when he was a small boy. So if it doesn't really look like a Goliath, are you sure it's David's style? We never take on things at our size because we know that it's in God's strength that we crush armies and by our God that we scale walls. So it's very, very important. Faith is the foundation to ensure that we do big things. We do is the currency. Papa, Mama has even shared the story during um, the the celebration service of how every property, when you look at what is in the accounts, every property that project literally that this is taking on, it never really looks like us. But that's the covenant that we have. That's the covenant that we have. Can we read um, Psalm 44? Do you know one of the reasons why the Hebrew boys did not bow? I think I was sending God this one we were talking on Sunday or so. That it's easy to read that scripture. She read it last week. Um, oh king, we are not careful to answer you on this matter. We will not bow. Our God will deliver us. Do you know why they really did not bow? These are Hebrew boys. And if you know anything about Hebrew people, they have culture. And these guys were slaves. though. It's not like they were in their hometown. They were brought to Babylon as slaves. And they were that confident. Or Daniel said, I'm not going to eat from this table. I don't care what it looks like. You know why? Ten commandments have been engraved in their ears. You can bow to no other gods. It's been as in it's it has formed the twisted ladder of their DNA. They cannot, they don't know how to be any other way. So the case of you can't kill a dead man. You kill me, I don't die already. This is as in this is my I can't I can't untwist. My DNA. If I cannot do it genetically, why should I do it spiritually? They have taught them. They said teaching them from small. Ten commandments. This is commandments that God gave Moses. You must never bow to any other gods. They've heard the story of Elijah and Bow. They've heard how Dagon was bowing face flat. You now say it's that same God Calibada and but it's not possible. It was ingrained in them. They have, please put Psalm 44 from verse 1 to 4. They, they said you have heard. Um yeah, it says, we have heard it with our ears, O oh God. Our ancestors have told us what you did in their days, in days long ago. Let's keep going. It says, with your hand, you drove out the nations and planted our ancestors. You crushed the people and made our ancestors flourish. It says, it was not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, your arm, The light of your face because you love them, verse 4. It was on these grounds, they now stood clearly. Um, 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 NLT says, command victories for me, O God. Because they were like, "Ah, this is what our fathers told us. This is what our ancestors This is what they they said you did. On that ground, we've been hearing, we've heard the story of mama, of how after how many years you gave her children without any procedure. We've heard this, we've heard this. Lord, command victories for us. When you have heard, when you have lived and you have shown and you have told, it's easy for the next generation to now stand on and say, God, we have heard, we have heard, we have heard. Command victories for us. Praise God. So we do, we, we basically, we do big things. <laughs> that one, eh? We, anything that is small does, it's not DCC. It's not. You can take that to the bank. Anything that is small, it's not. it's not really us. That's not the way we behave. Praise God. And then the one that I'm going to dwell a bit on, <laughs> Spiritual authority. This particular one is very personal for me, because um, that's when I was talking about being planted, and I gave the example. You know, some of us still. My my mother. I was I was meditating on this particular um co- culture value in DCC, and I thought to myself that, as old as I am now, mother of two, if my mother should slap me, what am I going to do? <laughs> I mean, even when I turn 50, now I remember. What's the worst you would do? Ah, mommy, now, mommy, why are you going to do this? Mommy, mommy, yeah, you're a grandparent. I see I'm somebody's mother. What, what are and as I say, I'm saying your face now because another slap can actually really come. That's the level of honor we have for our physical parents. And like I said earlier, for a number of people, your physical parents have not really done so much other than giving birth to you. But you still honor them. Some have. But we need to understand something that honor for spiritual authority, starting from both our spiritual parents, our pastors, our leaders, it's, it's not just a culture for us in DCC. It's a commandment. If you ever find, and it's, it's beyond DCCO. We honor even the fathers that set the foundation of the things that we are standing on. It's, it's a big deal. If, if you are if you are here and maybe they are castigating a pastor or anybody at all that represents God in any capacity on platforms, and you ever even like or share basket behavior, tell the person beside you basket behavior. We don't do that. You know, imagine if Joshua, after everything he has seen Moses do, and he now eventually takes over leadership. And the first thing is he starts saying, hmm, that Moses said, hey, his temper is just terrible. Hmm? And so they give him commandments. commandment. You don't break them. These 10 commandments, we don't even know whether it's true. Or it just came from his mind. And why couldn't he listen? He was just so hot-tempered. God said, speak to rock. You smashed it. Where do you think all of us as in our lineage from that Joshua to now would have been? When God called him, the first thing he told him, Joshua 1 verse 7, please, can you put it up? He says, listen to everything Moses has told. He said, don't turn from me to, as in, don't even move. He said, don't turn from me to the right or to the left. If you, as in, let's, let's try and paint a picture of a stupid Joshua just for the sake of, for sake of example. And he starts saying all those rubbish. I'm just trying to imagine. God would be like, when this guy was negotiating release of you and your whole lineage, you're probably running around in pampers. Or you're not even born. You crossed Jordan, River Jordan, and you were cruising. This one crossed Red Sea with Egyptians behind them. Let's not even go into all the different things that we went to. Like as in, let's let's paint a, a stupid Joshua for like one, one minute and try and imagine where all of us from that Joshua. Till now, for don't be. When I tell that God is very big on ancestry, and when I keep saying ancestry, it's not your village one. Those ones want to kill you. Let's settle it. We're talking about our spiritual ancestry. It's so important. Founding fathers, honoring spiritual authorities. It, before we even get to church, any founding father of faith, we as in the onus is on us to ensure that you honor, because it's not like you yourself you're really perfect, you know. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey, obey all the law, all that my servant Moses gave you. Was Moses a perfect person? No, he had bad temper. He truly, truly broke um, commandments. Now, the one we remember now, he read, give us But He says, you do not turn for me to the right or to the left. Why? No, no, you need to read that line. Why? So, you see the way people used to carry A, B. You see it here. That's Papa calls it. As in, it's a, it's a commandment. It's not really always about the individuals, it's about the office they occupy. Anybody that is in any position of leadership, it's not about them. Personally, Nebuchadnezzar's head, was he correct? He had everything, as in schizophrenia, psycho, anything you can imagine that has near antique. Nebuchadnezzar had it. But guess what? Daniel honored him to the teeth. Because he knew well. He said, In our covenant, we don't really use to behave like this. Whether the boss is mad or not it's, it's not, it's not my problem. My part is important. Spiritual authority. Why? It says, That you may be successful wherever you go. Ephesians 6 1 that we used to shout up and down Obey your parents in the law, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. It says, The commandment we promise. Why? So it will be well with you and you will live long. It is very, very, very important to us. It's a commandment, sp- honoring spiritual authority. If you ever find yourself in the atmosphere, environment, scenery, where they're talking about, let's not even bring it home because we assume that people here, we don't do that. Anybody that, has, that is occupying any position of authority or leadership, especially in this Christian kingdom that we represent, Run. They are are literally trying to drown you. And guess what? It does not matter how close you are to the power. Ask Miriam, the leprosy will catch you. It does not matter that you are close. But I'm very close. As long as you disobey that commandment, it cannot be well with you. Wherever. Thank you, Pastor. Anyway, you can't escape the egg. You can't. So, honoring spiritual authority is paramount to us. HODO is not only Pastor K.O., that one is. We take it for granted that you do that. <laughs> if not, <laughs> you die by correction, have you? Yeah. We take it for granted that you do that. But even to your leaders, your HODs, anybody in a position of authority, we must honor so we can be successful. As David never lost a battle? Is that not it? How will he lose battle if... How will, how will he win battle if he's, if he's if he's literally breaking the commandments. There are principles in the scripture. So it's very important for us to understand. It's a covenant. As David never lost a battle, it's a covenant. So we need to understand the things to do to ensure that that covenant is not broken from generation to generation. That's why we're teaching culture. So it's very, very important. Spiritual authority, anywhere you hear, run, no, run, run, they want to kill you. Whether it's your pastor or another one, or any, anybody that represents God in any capacity, we honor spiritual authority. Praise God. And then the last one. Spiritual growth, this is very important to us in DCC. You know why? Remember I said earlier that the Great Commission, Outreach, we are basically on a mission to decongest hell. And it's kind of really hard when you refuse to grow. We're not tolerating you with one hand, and we're not using the other hand to try to save people from hell. It's just, it's, it's a problem. It's, it makes the work difficult. You have to be intentional about growing. Please, can you give me First Peter 2 verse 2? And in this kingdom, the truth is, you're expected to come as you are. Everybody, these doors are open, come as you are. But you're not expected to stay as you are. The greatest, I think a preacher said that, that the greatest miracle of, of, of salvation. It's not really I got a new car, I got a new house. It's the things I used to do. I do them no more. That's the greatest miracle of salvation. Spiritual maturity. You know why? When you grow, you cannot bring up others. But if you're in a place, or you're in this house... You are consuming our resources. Our pastors, you are taking all their time, mentor, disciple, everything. You have, you have stunted growth. You just refuse to grow. Even Jesus Christ hates that kind of selfishness. I will read the parable to you. You you have to grow. It it's, it's not really cute when a baby is born and five years later the baby is still a baby. He has refused to walk. He has refused to eat. He has refused to refuse to do anything. It moves from being cute to being a nuisance. Le- who wants to carry a 20 year old baby that has beards? It's a let me back. It's automatically a nuisance. And that's how it is really when you refuse to grow. When you don't grow, you are taking up all the resources that we can use to be saving unbelievers. or are using it on only your head. We are tolerating you when we are supposed to be saving lives because you refuse refused to grow. Stunted growth. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will do what? So that you will do what? grow into a full experience of salvation. There's a full experience. A lot of people are living in escape hell mode. You know what they call escape hell mode? You just give your life to Christ and you're not going to hellfire and that's the end of your story. You're not doing anything else again. The only thing that happens is that you escape hell and whenever after happen you go to it. That's all. So you might as well just ask God to take you when you give your life to Christ and stop consuming our resources. Make we see roads, save others. So just in case you're here and you're you have refused to grow. You, have just, you are constantly in escape hell mode. You are not... You know reservoir. You're just taking, taking, taking. You're not giving out anything. After a while, really, you start becoming a nuisance because we could use those resources to save much more. You have to grow. Have you ever seen a child that just eating, 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 and not growing? And it's not like there's a defect or anything. You just refuse to grow. It's not really funny. If that's happening, that means there's what? A genetic defect. Because it's not normal. If you're eating automatically, you should just grow. Give me Luke 13. I think that's the last scripture I'm going to read on that. Yeah, Luke 13. It says, then Jesus told this story. I told you that Jesus hates that kind of behavior. Let's see it in the Bible. It says, then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again and again to see if there was any fruit on it, but he was always disappointed. Seven. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years. We were having patient Some people don't wait like five years, ten years. We are Christians in this church. He says, I've waited three years, and there hasn't been a single fig. He says, cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. He says, the gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year. And I'll give you special attention and plenty. We'll pastor you, we'll mentor you, disciple you, pray for you, intercede for only you. Verse 9. he says, if we get fixed next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. We have to grow. It's very important. And you need to understand something that everything God does never really ends with you. He blesses you to be a blessing. So, if you collect for only yourself and you stop there, it's not. That's not the way we behave here, because we know that in the first place God saved us. You move to from come and see to come and die. You don't start any others. Remember that woman, one of the most prominent evangelists in the Bible, in John chapter four. Immediately she saw the light. She ran to go and call others. That's the way we behave here. Where you blessed this evening, can we rise up as we pray? We're going to pray one prayer. We're going to pray like God. I don't want to be stunted anymore in my spiritual journey. I want to exhibit the culture. I want to show and tell. You're going to pray it from the depth of your heart that, Lord, as a, a, a member of this family that is rooted and planted, since I'm no flower pot, I want to show and tell in every area of my life. I, I want what I am to scream so loudly that I don't need to talk too much and people will know that, I'm in, that, that in my DNA is literally fully entrenched as DCC. I want to grow, I want to give of myself first. I want to be able to pull others. I don't want to be consuming resources. I want to respect spiritual authority both within my house and outside. Because that's the way we are trained. I want to respect the foundations of which my own salvation was was birthed. I don't want to take anything for granted. Can you open your mouth and begin to pray? pray we want to decongest hell like, I, I understand now the importance of outreach it's not really because I'm trying to go out there to show off anything but because we know that we're on a mission to ensure that as many people are pulled out from the pit and from hell I want to take ownership I want to always act like this is my home because it is my home I don't have any other options this is where I, you have planted me and I need to grow. I need to grow. I need to transfer it unfiltered to the next generation. La I need to transfer these cultures unadulterated. But I must leave it first. I must show before I tell. Lord, help me to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. You have saved me now. Help me to do the work. So I can pull others. So we can bring in more people. I want to continuously desire your word, your truth. I want to continually seek ways I can be a blessing because that is how spiritual maturity happens help me to catch the spirit of the house if you have not caught the leg, Lord, help me to catch the spirit of this house where you have planted me That's anywhere people see me don't know that this one, this one is different in Jesus name we pray father we thank you we thank you for giving us such strong foundations to stand on We will not be shaken. We will transfer it unadulterated, unfiltered as it has been taught to us. Help us to show and tell. Help us to grow spiritually so we can raise others. Help us to be trees that will bear fruits and fruits that will last. And help us to always, always represent the DNA of the house that you have planted us in. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the privilege of such a spiritual family. We do not take it for granted. And we thank you for the covenant of this house who we'll continue to speak over our lives as David never lost the battles. We will have our own victory stories to tell our children because we are living the culture. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name we have prayed. We know you've been blessed by this message. To order a copy of this message or any of our messages, you can call us on 80 777 144 or 80 777 144 Or you can visit our website on www.davidschristincentre.org. David's Christian Center, home of victorious people.